Hello, everybody. Welcome to ClapperCast episode 101. Uh, I'm your host, Carson Tamar, joined by Alina Falds, Paul Price, and influencer of the year back again, Michael Fairbanks. Hey. How is everyone doing today? I'm good. Um, one of my reviews of this movie is doing better than my usual, so I, uh, I'm enjoying that. Like, it's been a while since I've had a review that's not like three or four likes, and I'm like, that's cool. This one's like hitting up, I think it's almost 20, so it's like... I, which I know isn't that much, but like for my letterbox, because I block 75% of letterboxed, um, I do get like, <laughs> I don't hit those numbers that uh, I uh, I would like for all of my effort. You you got all, I, last time I looked, it was 11. When did you get near 20? It's 17 right now. Oh, got it. I'm happy for you. It's it's blowing up. And when I say blowing up, it's not really blowing up. But, you know, like, the thing is, you get that really nice boost with a letterbox like because letterbox also has those like ones that are like, oh, you know, update. Here's what happened this past week. And you're like, God damn it. I was expecting someone to enjoy my reviews. So like, you know, actually getting like consistent likes. Also, like people are going to my old reviews and liking them. Um, which is very funny because like I had one person like all of my four being the Ricardo reviews, um, which I very much enjoyed. I was like, he would click it and it'd be like, like this one, like this one. I was like, are you reading all of these? Why? <laughs> I think the third one just says still liked it. <laughs> <laughs> um, my week wasn't all great. I did get COVID. And when I say I got COVID, I mean, I didn't get COVID. But I was pretty sure I did right after I'd had a party. And so I was like, oh, no, I'm gonna have to do that thing where I write everyone. And I'm like, hi, by the way. So I do the first test. I don't know if you guys have ever done a COVID test, like the home ones. Yes, the... I had COVID last week, you fucking narcissist. <laughs> I didn't know if you did it in at home or you went yeah, out to the places, which I. Yeah, I'd never done one at home. And like. <laughs> they're hell you're like yeah. reading the instructions you feel bad and there's like it's like oh by the way you were supposed to do this in step two and you're like why would you list it in step eight and then be like do this in step two you literally stick it in your nose and put it in the tube no you don't yes you do you, have I've done you make it way more complicated than it seems yeah you have to like rip some things open and pour some things like i didn't pour the liquid into the container because it said like the liquid is in the container I didn't know that just meant in the same little like baggie. So I hadn't poured the liquid in. So I just swished around my nose uh, swab. And I was like, this is weird. (laughs) Your liquid wasn't in the container? No. Oh, mine come in the container. Joe really knows I'm stupid. Joe really hooked me. (laughs) This was like. I I I, also had to add like the liquid to whatever. Yeah. And it was like. Yeah. And then they're like, and you have to squeeze it and do all that. I was like, this is a lot of work. And like. The thing is, they're like, if you do it wrong, you get a false negative. I'm like, that seems like they should do a false positive <laughs> if it's like, if you're that dumb that you're just like screwing everything up. So um, I did another one. And then now that I understood the instructions, and now I only have two left, um, I was like, okay, I definitely don't. But I do have a nice little cold, which is definitely just from like over stress for the past week. He's had a rough ro- ride. Yeah, when my when has my... become a best picture contender and he's really <laughs> it's really it's really <laughs> taking me down um, my body was like do you really want to survive and watch this happen or <laughs> it's like gonna win i mm-hmm. pretty it seems like a, I, I feel like I campion fucked herself the second she made the venus williams speech i don't think anyone's like even thinking over. about that i just think that we're in the age and i think it'll go away soon of the um prefer preference um preferential voting and i think that it uh is just gonna make a lot of like feel goody movies i mean you even look at like you know uh nomadland versus the father which i obviously prefer the father um, but it's like Nomadland is more of this kind of thing. Same with like Parasite. There's something. Okay. Like, well, Belfast was pretty nice and no one. I don't understand. Okay, that. that is. I was actually talking to Michael about it. And I was like, they think that's why I don't like Coda is because people keep saying it's nice and sweet. Don't be, uh, 
you know, so rude. And it's like, I like all these nice and sweet movies that aren't Coda. And everyone's like, those are fucking stupid, you idiot. And it's like, I'm sorry, I liked Tammy Faye. <laughs> like, why are you guys so <laughs> rude about it? <laughs> Here's the thing about Coda. Like, and this is also our last episode before the Oscars. But, like, it's a bad movie if Coda wins, beating a horrible movie in Power of the Dogs. Like, I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm not very enthused by it. <laughs> when Belfast wins, you're going to be so excited until the backlash happens. And you're like, Ooh. oh, the backlash just happened. Everyone hates Belfast for some reason. Someone hates this little yeah. Irish kid running around being like, I'm Irish. People hate it. So I'm sad about that. I don't get it. But <laughs> I'm okay I still that. haven't seen Coda. I haven't seen Coda, Belfast or Drive My Car. Well, you're missing one really good film there. I, wa- I think I probably will watch Coda now that it seems like it's going to win. I don't, that, that would be really awkward if I hadn't seen the one that won. Drive that, my car just has no chance. So that's just three hours. I watched like the first two <laughs> minutes and I was like, I already don't understand what the fuck is going on in this movie. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. <laughs> Which I is funny because that's a car in like three blocks because I was like, I cannot do this all in one go. I know for a fact I will not be able to do this in three hours. Went to three rest stops. I, I really need to try it like Alina did because I definitely did not give it a fair shot because we were booking it for this podcast and also i was like it's a foreign language film it's not going to be like nominated for best picture or anything and then you told me you you said you i think when you were watching it you texted me you're like i've paused this 30 times (laughs) (laughs) it was like it was real rough for me it was relatable um which is sad because i think if it was like if the nominations had been like three weeks later we definitely would have had a um worst person in the world Oh, I know. Yeah. Takeover. Um, and I would assume like Don't Look Up would have been the one that swapped it because no one's talking about Don't Look Up anymore. Which is weird because well, it's yeah. probably the one that the most people have seen. Yeah, by far. Well, on that note, we have a lot of new releases and a lot of films to get through today. So why don't we get to it? Alina, I think you were the first one to watch X out of all of us. So why don't you introduce it and then we can get to the people with good opinions and like the bad opinion can come in. Okay. Um, so I'm not a horror girly, so I was like really chicken shit to see this, but it was coming to my theater shockingly because this is A24 and normally the rural Ontario theater system does not get anything fun. So I was like, okay, fine. Like I don't have an excuse. So I'll go and see it. Um, and I had fun. I don't watch a lot of slashers, obviously. So maybe if I had more like exposure to that subgenre maybe i would have liked it less but like it's about a bunch of people in the 70s making a porno on a texas farmhouse there's a landslide cover what's not to like i had a great time with this and i'm very biased because of the setting and the landslide cover but like that's fine I feel like spiritually, I know it's a three-star movie, but I gave it a four and a half because I'm biased and I fucking love the 70s. It's fun. And Paul's boring. Also, I don't understand why Paul didn't like this because he hates old people. And then his whole essay was like, this is really mean and ageist. I'm like, you're such a fucking hypocrite. <laughs> I'll let you guys continue. I, I have specific <laughs> reasons on why the ageism That's bothered me. That's for sure. <laughs> well no i have like specific reasons on why this ageism but bugged me more um wasn't paul saying it no (laughs) we'll get into it we'll get into it yeah i agree with you alina i was not excited for this because i am a pussy and i do not like jump scares i get very scared so i was like oh Mm -hmm. this is i you know hate when a horror film comes out and it's not on streaming where i can watch it in the middle of the day with all the lights on so was worried about it, but going in, but I really enjoyed it. I think the editing is obviously like probably one of its strongest suits is just like the directorial style and the editing that you can feel with it. Um, I think it's fun. Uh, maybe nothing revolutionary. It does have some pacing issues, like for sure in the beginning. Um, and also the ending feels a bit rushed, especially with how they set it up. But like, I see Paul's points. I actually don't think Paul's opinions are bad on this. Um, but if, as a horror comedy, like you can do so much worse. And A24 especially, no offense, has sucked recently when it comes to horror comedies and horror films in general. So I was really pleasantly surprised here. I enjoyed it. Yeah, no, I feel the same way. I'm a fucking freak. I the more disgusting, the more was that just, the end of your review. More, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> just stop there. 
Carson just Carson just cuts me off. I'm a fucking freak, and then Paul. Anyway, so, so just use that for every single one for the rest of this. <laughs> just this old audio clip. Ten years down the line, it's still my voice from now. I'm a fucking freak. Every but, time know, I introduce you at the beginning of every episode, and just throw that in. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, I I the nastier, the dirtier, the bloodier, the better. Um, and like Ty West is one of those directors that I watched a lot of his movies in college and really enjoyed them, but I don't really remember them. So it's more that like, I'm like, oh, I remember liking his movies, but I was kind of neutral about it. And then I see it and I'm like, holy fuck, it's an A24 horror movie that's not afraid to just be fun. Like that was like my biggest thing with it is just that like, I loved that it was like, it was character driven and the actors were all doing a great job, but it also delivered those like big slasher moments unapologetically. And it didn't just like get into all this like random ruru esoteric bullshit for 35 minutes, which is normally how these movies have been recently. This was just like a good solid slasher movie. And it had really interesting social commentary about, how old people resent young people for their sexual expression. Like, I mean, it wasn't like revolutionary. Was I like really moved by it and needed to see like, I, I I'm interested in this prequel that they're making just especially after like how everything resolved. Do I need to see a million of these? No, but it was just cool to see like a, an old style slasher movie that actually just felt like an old movie and didn't wasn't just the director being like see doesn't this feel like an old movie doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it like um the likes of like edgar wright or quentin tarantino or those dudes sometimes their movies feel just kind of cloying this felt like it could have come out in the 70s and like we just pulled it off the shelf I also kind of express how nice it is to have a movie where people just, like, die. Like, you don't have just a grandma, like, (laughs) flying in the wind for an hour and a half from, like, a shadow where you don't know what's happening. Like, it just is, like, people dying and people killing each other, which A24, you mentioned, like, the, like, just artistic bullshit that horror has become now where everything's a dream, where everything's in the shadows and you don't know and it's boring as hell. This one was entertaining because people die. They get shot. They get stabbed. It's good. The pacing was a little weird. That was my only issue with it. it was just like a little too much on the buildup when like the end result wasn't really like warranting that much preamble. But once it got into all that shit that you were talking about, I uh, had a blast. I so um, I don't love this movie, but I almost did. And that's what's like really frustrating for me. Like. The first half of this movie, all of the buildup, I was so into it. I was like, this may be like a five star for me. And I fully believe that Ty West got bored making this movie, wrapped up this one and started working on Pearl. A hundred percent. I think he was like, wait, she's very interesting. Let's just uh, fuck around because you almost watch like landslide happens And the movie falls off a cliff. Like, in terms of, like, its overall quality, it's just, like, what am I watching at this point? So many of these characters who you've built up are dispatched in a way that neither signals, like, anything about them and, like, their comeuppance for what happened previously, um, which is, like, a very common thing with horror tropes, or... Give them a moment to where you're like, oh, no, I liked that character. They're dead. It tries to, like, you know, have its, like, A24 kind of, like, sad, weird, creepy uh, metaphors and be, like, a typical slasher. And I think that's why, like, a lot of people immediately are reacting to it. It's like, wow, that was, like, flipped me on my head and I wasn't expecting all this. Um... I find that, like, I can't imagine watching this movie a second time. Like, I try to imagine sitting there and watching all of this, like, personal drama with all these characters and building them up and knowing they're dispatched so easily. I just be like, I guess. Sure. Okay, cool. We're going to talk about, like, your your uh, opinions on, like, porn and sexuality, Jenna Ortega, for 40 minutes. Um and then ultimately that doesn't even matter whatsoever. Um, it's just, 
I get why people like it. I just like I feel very disconnected to it and I don't want to get into too many spoilers um, overall. But there's like one scene in particular um, that I just like viscerally reacted to. Someone said it was the same. uh, Someone who commented on my um, letterbox said it was the same feeling as the Jurassic World death. Um, If you guys remember when the assistants just brutally murdered and you're like, for what reason? <laughs> and why is this kind of funny? What what are you saying? And like, uh, Michael, you say like, oh, it feels like it's been on the shelf. Yeah, it does feel like the ageism and misogyny of it all is like dated. And like, I guess we're just treating it like a throwback, even though a, a, a 2021 man made this movie and was like, yeah, we're going to just say old people are gross. And the specific reason why I don't like the old people are gross in this, they're not old. They're fucking male goth and makeup. So it's like a young uh, a young woman playing an old woman going, look at how gross the elderly are. <laughs> it's just very weird to me. It's like almost kind of like a, you know, parodying just being old. I don't know. It's just it sits wrong with me because um, in all those other movies, it's like, oh, this is an older woman actress who like, you know, is like, oh, yeah, it's a weird thing to get older this was like i'm young and i'm scared of it i don't know i just all of it just doesn't sit right with me that being said we haven't talked about it the gator scene at the beginning of this movie is maybe one of the best shots of the year even though i don't like this movie if we do like a you know roundup of like best shots or whatever it 100 percent is staying in there because it's like it's so good and that was when I believed there was more promise to this movie than ultimately there was. And maybe it was just such a good shot that I was like, oh, yes, let's do this. Um, but yeah, no, I don't I, I don't fault anyone for liking this one. Um, it's the same as Malignant to me. It's like it very viscerally doesn't work for me, but I get why people like it. At least in this one, it was about filmmakers. So like when they're being like. I'd hate it in horror movies when it's just about like regular people and then all of a sudden start talking about like, have you seen the Phantom of the Paradise? And then the, no. And then they just describe the entire plot of Phantom of the Paradise. At least, <laughs> at least this was like, they were making movies. So it sort of made sense. Why? Like I still didn't love it, but I could kind of get on board. with. I don't want to talk uh, down to like adult film stars, but this is not. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. But specifically like, Adult film stars in the 70s weren't like, oh, let me like have a full knowledge of like, I believed that they watched Psycho, but I don't believe that this man was sitting here like trying to make it like high art. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Everything with Britney Snow just really upset me. <laughs> Britney I... Snow. Britney Snow is like actually probably the reason because I just even when I started talking, I was like, oh, yeah, but he had and I was like, oh, no, that was Britney Snow who was like, you should shoot like this and like. She has all these great moments. It's just I she was fabulous in this. She's she so had nice. she had young like Reese Witherspoon vibes. That's what I've been saying. Like yeah. she reminded no, me it's... so much of like Reese Witherspoon and like cruel intentions, like that era. Like the, the, she was shockingly one of the best ca- like what Paul's saying about like how he couldn't rewatch it. This is the first movie in this like species of horror movies in a long time where I actually could see myself watching it and maybe even enjoying it more because like, I actually just thought the characters were just genuinely for the most part. Well, that, I, I, I really yeah, enjoyed I the liked all of the characters in this. Except for, like, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was about to say, um, also, like, I guess the elderly makeup was just, like, really frustratingly bad. I saw people saying it looked good, and I was like, that one tooth looked like a Halloween mask. All of that being said, fully invested in Pearl. Um, and that's only because I think that it has more opportunity to be um, a, like, strong variation on the story. Um, also, it looks uh, he's called it a demented Disney movie, which I'm like, yeah, I'm very much into that. Let's do some weird shit like get weirder. I think I think ultimately that's the other thing is it's not weird enough for me. And I think the movie alludes to weirder things. And I think that's only because he was setting up for like three different sequels. 
which we already know what the three are. So, or the two others. I'm so sad. I missed the little Pearl teaser at the end. That's so funny because you were at a drive in. I missed. Oh yeah. You didn't say that. That's the best part of the fact that you watched this movie at a drive in. Oh yeah. I forgot that. That really was, that really did set the mood because it is such a movie like that. And it was actually my first like proper drive in movie as well. So that like really kind of set the mood and made me feel like I was like in that time, which definitely helped. Okay, and now let's move on to our good friends Netflix with The Adam Project. I will kick things off because I got to say this a little bit early and I know I'm probably going to be alone here, but I like the film. I don't like Ryan Reynolds, guys. Look, I don't like Free Guy. I don't like a lot of Sean Levy's recent stuff. But I watched this film and I was really pleasantly surprised by it. Like, number one, the emotions kind of got me. But out of all these films that try to be, oh, we're fun movies from the 80s and 90s. And look, we have all this fun stuff. Like, this is one that is almost entirely original. There are some references, but it's unlike Free Guy that just turns into Disney. Um, It's entirely pretty much original. The characters I thought were really fun. I thought Ryan Reynolds was fun. Like, this film has all the elements I normally hate out of films, but I really enjoyed. And it's on Netflix. I was shocked, but I really did. Maybe it was just the low expectations. But I was like, yeah, I had fun with this. I could see myself watching it again. And there's even some sequences that, like, moved me. I was like, when he's reflecting on his life and he's talking to his mom, I was like, yeah, that works. That gets me in the heart. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. What did everyone else think? I did not like it at all. I feel like the marketing really tricked me because, like, it's Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner as a couple again. And I love 13 going on 30. And they're, like, a couple in one scene in this entire movie because he's, like, dies in a car crash. And I was like, fuck you, Netflix. How could you do this to me? I wasted, like, two hours of my life wanting a 13 going on 30 reunion, and I got nothing. I don't like children's sci-fi. Um, and I just <laughs> like you're just gonna say I don't this. like children. <laughs> I don't like children except for my nephew, and that's it. And I only like one of them actually. So, fuck kids. I don't like them unless they're my own. Um, but yeah, I didn't like this at all. I thought the references were really annoying, and so much of this was just like a rehash of Free Guy, which I didn't mind. But I don't want to rewatch Free Guy, and this felt like that the only kind of moving scene is the ones that like ryan reynolds shares with zoe saldana when they're like a couple and i was like okay i'm happy with this the rest of the movie i don't give a shit about it was so boring why i don't understand why this exists it just feels like something that's just like gonna be dumped on netflix it's gonna be the most popular thing in for a week and then it's just gonna be gone i don't care I was so predispositioned to hate this because like anything that is a throwback to like those 80s sci-fi movies, I can't stand like you, Carson, like even to the point where Sean Levy, Stranger Things, can't do it, can't stomach it. So like, and I really did love Ryan Reynolds, like back in the day, like everything I would say pre the voices, big Ryan Reynolds fan. But, like, since Deadpool 1, he's really, like, settled into this very annoying rhythm where he just makes every joke like this. Holy Britney Spears. Toxic fuck. Whoa, like, Ryan? Like, that, like, that's, like... Whoa, that's, Ryan's on the call. <laughs> like, that's, like, like, that's every fucking joke he makes. And I just, like, it's gotten to the point where, like, you get to, like, free guy or red notice and I'm just, like, actively annoyed by him. But this was the first time I've actually been charmed by his performance because I think what it is, this totally flipped me around on Deadpool being PG-13. That was my main takeaway on it, actually, because I was sitting here listening to the whole Ryan Reynolds do this humor with this kid who was like really actually pretty good, in my opinion. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my God, Ryan Reynolds has to think of punchlines that aren't just like, what in the monkey poop fuck is this? Like, because he has to have words. <laughs> like, they have to have words with no swears that string together and make sense. And I'm like, oh my god, he's funny and charming again. For the first time in what feels like half a decade. I, was I watching- do like I do like that you were like, it's PG-13. Poop fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm saying that's his I'm saying that's what his normal joke rhythm is. Oh, that's I his get you. that's his joke formula in Deadpool. 
is just what in the monkey fuck like that's every joke in deadpool but if but him and sean levy in this like pg-13 setting actually work together well and now i'm thinking they'd be kind of cheating themselves to not make deadpool 3 pg-13 because that's sean levy's whole thing if they're gonna get sean levy and God knows Kev Feige isn't going to actually let them make an R-rated movie. They're just fucking bullshitting while they figure out how they're going to get people to stomach the PG-13. This made me feel confident in it. And it was just really fun. And like the like um, Carson said, I found the emotions of it really genuine, actually. Except for Mark Ruffalo, who I think forgot how to act during quarantine. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was definitely during quarantine that Mark Ruffalo forgot how to act. But like even more things like like no, but like he's definitely like in blockbuster movies, not very good, but like he's good in indies still, I think. But in this, he was just saying all his lines like he just could not comprehend the basic definitions of words. Mark Rylance esque Um, (laughs) in that way. Don't do not slander Leonard from the outfit. Um, But no, no. I don't hate this movie, um, but I don't think any of you have ever watched it. But there was a Bruce Willis movie from back in the day called The Kid. Oh, my God. Um, which is funny because Gene Smart is in it for two scenes. And I still think of Gene Smart as the woman from The Kid because she's so good in it. That being said, um. The kid is about Bruce Willis meeting a younger version of him played by Spencer Breslin. And there's so much of this movie that they were like, can we just steal that? No one remembers the kid. We're just going to take that. We're going to take that. Oh, we'll take this too. Yeah. All of this. You know what? <laughs> Carte blanche. Just take whatever you want from Disney's the kid. Um, And you like watch it. <laughs> really like, as someone who like knows that that movie exists, um, so much of it is just like redone in terms of like the kid being a nerd and needing to learn how to be more of a bully and ultimately learning that he became too much of a bully and now needs to like tear it, tone it down a little bit. Um, and then also there's like, you know, that uh, the tomorrow war to it. Um, and you know, with Catherine Keener, like being some random villain. I just, I, I didn't dislike this movie. I just wanted it to be a little, a little more cohesive. Um, I'm with Alina. Like everything was Zoe Saldana. I was like, yes, this makes sense. And it's like cool. And I love their whole, everything with that arc is great. Um, but whenever like Mark Ruffalo shows up and like it just gets really bogged down in like, you know, uh, tiny whimy nonsense, I just get so bored. And I also don't care about like relationship with father movies, um, because you know, Same. I don't have a relationship with my father. <laughs> um, it's like we that's have why a- I care. It's like a fantasy. Thank you, Michael. Someone who gets that. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm not like that. It does exist. I have a good relationship with my father, so these ones don't do it for me. Mommy issues? I'm on board, though. <laughs> oh, no, I will say, my favorite uh, Alina, you just remind me. My favorite scene in the entire movie is the bar sequence. Yeah. Um, with it's Jennifer. great. It's so good. Um, and I just feel like uh, I needed more of that. Um, mm-hmm. just a little bit more, but also I do get your point, Alina, that they were literally married and she like doesn't show up in a single scene with him. <laughs> what was wild to me is that like I actually thought a lot of the action sequences were really good, except for the ending when, like Paul was saying, they get in the mix of the tiny whiny shit. The, like what one of my new favorite things to do is look for like COVID safety protocols and movies in the way that they like block the scenes and in that action scene at the end where they're in the compound they somehow were like okay all of you are gonna fight but no one can get closer to each other than six feet so you stand on this part you stand on this part and they all kind of like lurch forward with like green screen in the background and then at the like during a bit where like Catherine Keener Mark Ruffalo and Ryan Reynolds are talking to each other 
you can tell they are in different rooms. Like there, there is definitely like a cheapness to it in in bits. I think I got Paul's expectations up too high because I was watching it and the whole time I was texting him, "What the fuck? This is really good." <laughs> I, like, I also this was the day that I thought I had COVID and I was like, I started this movie while I was taking my first test and I was like, "Ah, oh, here we go, here we go." What if I had COVID? I'm gonna text all my friends. So like, I was not emotionally invested at the beginning, which I felt like was very important for this movie. Also, I hate, cannot stand uh, time travel movies. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever liked one. I mean, I probably have, and I'm going to be like, oh, yeah, duh. You liked The Tomorrow War. Uh, Yes, but it's not a time travel to the past. It's time travel to the future. Um, Time travel to the past, I just like... I just, you know, when Zoe Saldana screams paradox, I was like, yes, that's me. <laughs> just like constantly like this makes no sense. Like every single sentence you're saying, uh, especially when he's like, don't tell me how I died. I'm like, your partner just got shot in the heart. Like your life is significantly different now. You're probably still alive. Uh, <laughs> unless it's like a heart. It, 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 nothing. No aspect of it makes sense because like. If it was cancer, like there's a chance that he like got checked at the doctor or whatever. Like everything about it was like because it definitely was supposed to be an accident or whatever. It was not cancer because he's supposed it's to a die car in crash. Like, they say he died in a car crash. Oh, okay. So yeah, he's not getting in that car crash again. Well, he could. Car crashes are quite common. Could yeah, be well, okay, they're car they're crash. quite common, but this is not Final Destination where like <laughs> you don't know that. That would be a great sequel. <laughs> where zoe saldana definitely has to die so they're like <laughs> it kind of yeah, is so- like final destination because spoilers ryan reynolds and her find each other again at the end of the film because they're destined to be together that was one of the best scenes yeah i was like tearing up i was like i hated this movie but this part kind of got me they had real like chris pine and zoe saldana energy together like mm-hmm. they, that had like old star the not old star trek kelvin star trek 2009 vibes mm-hmm. yeah okay that. i will say i will say the part where he hugged his mom and then they started like fighting together i was like mm, i liked that um there's like there's spots in this movie that i'm like yeah this works but overall i just kind of was like meh meh anytime movie. a netflix movie doesn't feel like a paid vacation i'm like oh <gasps> so that's also part of it <laughs> whenever it has anything of quality it really just stands out like so many of these don't have anything and this has something so that says something exactly that was beautiful carson i see why you're on rotten tomatoes <laughs> can you tell i'm an english major <laughs> a lot of words to just be like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> that'll be the quote i put on rotten tomatoes <laughs> my final thing is i know you want sean levy to do deadpool 3 this is my call to action yeah well i want him to quit that and make night at the museum 4 this is my call to action just do it i agree that's all i have to say i agree Carson, but then it would have ryan this reynolds you've said all day <laughs> thank mm. you so deep water out on hulu the erotic thriller we've been waiting for for a long time period doesn't seem to be living up to expectations but i'll let y'all get into it michael why don't you kick things off with deep water? I would love to. Um, <laughs> I think that my anticipation for deep water has been part of what's gotten me through the pandemic. Yeah. Um, because I had known, I knew about it before the pandemic even started. Cause they were filming in like November, 2019. And I was like, this sounds fucking bananas. I want to see it. Um, and then they started dating in real life. And then that whole saga was just wonderful. And then they broke up, of course. So now this movie's out, and I really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed it in the way that what I've been saying is it feels like a Tommy Wiseau or Neil Breen movie with a huge budget and really good actors, because the plot just doesn't make sense. And it's built upon these like really weird ideas about like marriage and infidelity and like what men are willing to do or whatever the fuck. But it's just so strange. And Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas are just so keyed in and just so good at just delivering this weird material that it just sort of worked for me in just a total camp way. 
like at the point where Ben Affleck does his 67th like here are my snails to his friends that's when I was like okay this isn't taking itself seriously as a drama at all this is a total meme this is a total gag and I was completely on board for it and I mean I I watched it with Paul we all got drunk it was it was fun like I like I think like as far as movies that are just like you get together with your friends and you just laugh at it this is an early like top contender for maybe the best of 2022 for that uh throne um and i I mean it just i don't know there are parts of it that i thought were genuinely good it looked really nice um i will reiterate that the seed exists so that is currently holding the throne carson now knows um how insane the seed is but yeah uh yeah we watched this together um and I was expecting it to be a little sexier, but I didn't hate this movie overall. Um, I had a lot of fun. I think one of my favorite parts is just like these slugs and they reference that if you eat the slugs, you'll die of poisoning. And I assumed that would come back and it does not, which is so funny. (laughs) It might've come back in the cut 30 minutes of the, yes, there's so much of this movie. That's just like, Oh, we're going to like bring this back. They do not so many like loose ends in this film <laughs> like just consistently uh, the entire film is just a series of loose ends um Ana de Armas has one of the funniest lines of 2022 so far and probably will last that way is when she says I wish you would turn that fucking shit off and she's talking about old McDonald <laughs> um that she keeps bringing boyfriends and you assumed going into this movie, I'm saying you being the eponymous, not you specifically, that Ana de Armas was the one killing all the people. And it's not a spoiler because they say it. And then I just kept assuming there was going to be a twist. There is no twist. Um, I guess the twist is there is no twist. Um, is that <laughs> she's not. So why is she not at all? I think she was. Uh, because the trailer originally was like very much like implying that she was the killer. So when you went into the movie, you were like, oh, he's hmm. like protecting her. No, he's just insane. She's just stupid. Like She's like, oh, all my boyfriends keep dying. That's so weird. <laughs> That's what I kind of loved about it. It was just capital D dumb. Like everyone. It's so bad. Everyone knew. Everyone in the movie knows that Ben Affleck is the killer. And they're all like, you should probably stop doing that, bud. And he's just like, but what if I keep like, that's the whole movie. <laughs> it's, just him be- it's just him being like, it's not me. Like, like that's the whole fucking thing. Uh, and it's just he's so good at these like pathetic roles too they were both just so well cast did you like the selena no and i'm sad <laughs> that i didn't like it because i really like ben affleck and i like anna Moss. and i was like this is fun i like crime and i love horny and sexy stuff this was not. I've seen a lot of people making the joke that Deepwater is an erotic thriller that is neither erotic nor thrilling, and they're all correct. Like, there's like two sex scenes, and they're like not even that good. And I was like, okay. And they just like cut away, and I was like, okay. Like, if you're gonna give me an erotic thriller, I want you guys to like actually fuck. Come on. And everyone's like, oh my god, Ben Affleck and Anna, they have like the best chemistry. Da da da. They don't. And they were a real couple. And I was like, I'm not feeling any of the chemistry, guys. I don't understand what's happening. I was upset. And the whole time I was like, how the fuck has Ben Affleck not gotten caught yet? He's the worst serial killer ever. And it was just messy. And it should have been like really, really elevated. I had high hopes and it did not meet any of my expectations. Although I will say Trixie, the little kid, star. I love her. She was so funny. When she was like singing along to that song in the car, I love her. And then the end credits end and it's her singing again. That kid, I love. It's the best part of the film. I am completely indifferent on this film. I don't think it's terrible. Everyone is like memeing on the film. I don't think it's that bad. I think it's like a perfectly fine 
not erotic thriller because it's definitely not that but it's just like i don't know everything here is like competent but a little bit dull there's nothing here that really like is that exciting or that shocking or that passionate or that erotic or that thrilling like it's all just kind of there doing the motions sometimes funny but not often just most time it's just kind of there i don't know i feel really indifferent on the film uh but we haven't specifically talked about uh, the blowjob scene, which is the point where like the eroticism like became funny. Um, where she because, licks his zipper. Yeah, because there is no way that woman is <laughs> at all even faking um, the sequence that is supposed to be happening. Because there's at one point where she's supposed to be deep throating, and then she just turns to look at him, and it was like, uh. That's not how that works. There's a whole and like it just felt so juvenile at that point. You're like, if we're going to do this, like you've got to like, you know, give a little more. And I blame the director mostly um, because he's done multiple of these kind of movies. And it's just like he didn't care or cut around that. And it just never felt real. It always felt almost PG-13. For a movie that is an R and could have gone as hard as it wanted. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wanted to like this more and I feel like it kind of fits their relationship, though, because like, yeah, none of it ultimately mattered. And like, we'll forget about it in a couple of years. Yeah. I would agree with that. Well, that's going to be it for the new releases this week. Alina, it's your time to shine. Take it away. We have reached John Cena week. It's the one I've been waiting for. And I feel like this is like the week where we're finally getting to like the point of this series. Because originally it was supposed to be like films by WWE Studios. And then just because of how things changed and moved around, that didn't happen. I picked things that were like after they've left WWE. So this week we're doing The Marine which is from like 2006 and 12 rounds, which I think is from 2009. I have no idea. Yes. Um, Which were both made when John Cena was like the king, the face of the WWE. Um, Yeah. I had not seen the Marine prior to this week. But I had seen 12 rounds before. I saw it in theaters and I own it on DVD because I have terrible taste. Um, so it was really fun, like revisiting these for me. Um, I guess we'll start off with The Marine because that one came first. So or I was watching one of those like YouTube videos from like, I don't know, Vanity Fair or Variety or whoever does it when they like actors like do their whole like career retrospective thing and John Cena was talking about the Marine and they filmed this in 2004 and apparently Stone Cold Steve Austin was supposed to have the lead in this movie and then he like dropped out when he like officially left WWE because of his like neck injuries so then Vince McMahon was like John you're the face of the company now you're doing this and John Cena was like I love wrestling I don't want to film a movie I think filmmaking's stupid um, but like Vince McMahon made him do it anyway. And you can very much tell that John Cena does not want to be in this movie. I felt that way. Um, anyway, it's about this guy who gets like discharged from the Marines because he disobeys an order and rescues a bunch of people. But I guess the United States Marine Corps was like, you can't be rescuing people against orders. Fuck you. And they make him leave. Um, and then there's also a bunch of drug dealers or no diamond stealers. They don't do drugs. That's a different movie. Um, and like somehow John Cena and his like wife or fiance end up at a gas station and somehow his wife gets captured. And then they just go on this like bat shit, very extended chase through the South Carolina wilderness to get John Cena's wife back. And that's the Marine. There's not much to it other than that. What do you guys think? So I was excited because normally this podcast, I think overall, is rather negative. Overall, I'd say I'm rather negative on this podcast. In this episode, I was like, wow, we're talking about films and I don't think any are below just being okay. And then I watched The Marine and I hated the film. 
Uh, this one was not good for me. And we'll get 12 rounds and I'm much more positive on 12 rounds. But this film just like I, John Cena didn't want to be there. I didn't want to be watching this. It has really, really <laughs> poor editing, story, cinematography, acting, pretty much everything about the film really fell just completely flat for me. I don't care about military men. I will say there's some hot. The only good part about this is there's hot men in it. John Cena is hot. Money, you know, the military men are hot. But other than that, like, I don't really care. I don't care that you're sad. You're not in the army. Like, I don't care. And I really just struggled with this one. This one was definitely the most painful of the week, maybe of the entire series. I think so. It was bad. <laughs> it was a bad one, Alina. So I was when I was a kid, I was really into all these like shitty action movies because I really wanted to see like the rated R ones, but I couldn't. So all these movies like The Transporter or The Marine or like all those like, all those movies that have like that era and that kind of like it looks like shit, it's shot like shit, but like it's just like some dude being cool. I have like a nostalgic like thing in my heart for it. And with The Marine, it was more that the trailer like sticks in my head because I have not seen the Marines since 2010-ish, and I remember his name is John Triton. That trailer lives <laughs> in my head, rent-free, because that was, like, one of the movies where I was like, I want to say, like, I remember that, like, my overall feeling on it is that, like, it's just very kind of A to B, but he did, he he does have screen presence in these, like, kind of more raw action roles. I kind of wish that he would try again with something like this now that he's a bit more accomplished as an actor, I think because he shows potential, it's just definitely that like WWE wrestler doing actors thing where they just kind of like pout. I also think it's really fun that Robert Patrick is the villain because then he ends up being his dad and peacemaker. So it like establishes mm -hmm. that rivalry way earlier. It like, it is one of those movies where it's just like color paletted to shit. And it just like it, it looks like it was ran through a 3D printer, but you can't deny that it's just fun to watch John Cena just beat the shit out of people. Robert Patrick is having the time of his life in this movie. Yes, he is. It's like, I wish I had your energy for this king. <laughs> Anytime he's a villain, he eats, though. Mm -hmm, that's true. I thought the like setting choice of the Marine was very odd because like obviously I had I'd never seen it before this week, but I always just like assumed it was like him being like an actual Marine and he was in like Vietnam or something. But no, they're just like zooming through South Carolina. And I was like, this is not the movie that I thought it was for all of these years. Because like I remember when I was watching wrestling, they would like play like trailers for this and like 12 rounds and like all the other ones but i had never like seen them because my parents would not let me purchase these movies obviously sure. um so yeah this was it was truly a revelation to watch this movie after like knowing about it for well over a decade i'm loving that like we're starting to see like what the forbidden movies for like millennials were the, the fact that this was one <laughs> of them for both me and alina is really killing me right now <laughs> um yeah no this movie i'd never even heard of um and when it started and it was like a cgi um fucking john cena and uh, not cgi his background was cgi and then he does like the salute and it says the marine i was like oh i'm in it for this movie and it's <laughs> it's really terrible but it's like fun terrible like i may put a like on it my favorite part of this movie though is um, there's a character who's introduced as like the tough guy. And then he has a moment of vulnerability. And he's like, as a child, I went to the summer camp and my counselor was really nice to me. He gave me rock candy. And then he gave me something that I did not want. And then, um, <laughs> I should not have accepted and um i don't remember this it, at all and then it starts I, playing also, the deliverance song scene of the movie yes no because it's here's the thing then it plays the deliverance song which is clearly like supposed to be like hey for the older people in the audience he got butt fucked and 
Then he walks out and is immediately killed by John Cena. It matters not one iota to this film other than to be like, I don't know. I also know. love how they set it up throughout the film because they mention rock candy a bunch of times before <laughs> it finally happens. And he gets revealed why he doesn't like rock candy. And I was like, oh, this is not the direction I thought we were going in. Honestly, the Marine is just surprising in every way imaginable. It's like, it's just like, but then when he tells the story, he's like, don't tell anyone I said that. And they all laugh at each other. I'm like, this is wild. <laughs> this is like so 2006. Anyway, 12 rounds. 12 rounds. Um, 12 rounds. Six times came two. Out in, <laughs> came out in 2009. Three times four. I was approximately 12 when this, I think I was 12. Yeah, what? I was 12. Um, it, I, this is like right in like the height of me watching wrestling. So I was like aware that this movie was coming out and it came to my theater and I was like, Hey friends, I really want to like pull you guys into liking my interests. Do you want to go see this John Cena movie in the theaters with me? And because they were like nice friends in eighth grade, they were like, sure. Um, and tagged along with me and then the like cineplex people would not let us in because we were 12 and it was rated 14 accompaniment or whatever 14a stands for and then so my best friend at the time julia her dad came to see it with us because obviously we could not get in without an adult present and i have a distinct memory of her dad dave getting up like every 20 minutes to go inside and smoke a dart instead of watching the movie. And then when it ended, Dave was like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Alina, you're not letting, I'm not letting you do this again <laughs> to me. Honestly, after our <laughs> and wrestling that's retrospective my, this year, our wrestling series. <laughs> yeah, it's my uh, most distinct memory of 12 rounds. And then I purchased it on DVD and it's just been sitting in my house for a while and I hadn't rewatched it like probably in a decade because like there's never been a reason to I've seen the movie and I know what happens um but it was kind of fun revisiting it because I remember really really enjoying this I thought it was so fucking clever I was 12 to be fair so you know what I'll cut eight eighth grade me some slack um I liked this one way better than the marine but it's still not good but i also feel like john cena is like more willing to be here and i feel like he's actually trying uh my favorite scene in the movie is in the beginning when he's like feeding his pug and he's trying to like turn his pug he says like that his pug is in his bulking phase and that he's trying to turn his dog into the world's most dominant pug that was hilarious and I wish we had kept that energy for most of the film. That's but you so know what? Gay. It's fun. <laughs> it was. This is, this I was like, I, this is camp. It's so queer. <laughs> um, yeah. I. <laughs> it's the queerest thing I've ever heard John Cena say. Yeah. Paul, do you remember when we were talking about whether bodybuilding shows were like camp? This yes. is like the same genre of that. Yes, exactly. Well, so um, overall, what's funny about these movies is like a large part of it is John Cena jumping from an exploding thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I was like, okay, maybe that was just the Marine and they just didn't know what. And then it kept happening in this movie. And I was like, oh no, this is just like, like I imagine being the screenwriter and being like, I don't know. And then the building explodes, I guess. I love when he gets <laughs> thrown by the explosion into the exploding car. I was like, that is everything. What it probably partially uh, is, is it like the jumping from the explosions can be a stunt double. That's like a really easy one to cheat with the stunt double. He probably just didn't want to do that many. Stunts. If they do, they definitely Photoshop his little face on, uh, which is a lot cuter. Um, but yeah, he there's so many times where this movie just has explosion ex machina and it's not like that like saves him from anything but it's just like how to get them out of the scene um one of my favorites was uh he's trying to save this security guard <laughs> <laughs> and he pulls him out and well you're forgetting the fact that he's really fat the movie oh, really yeah no, they, they, he's a they, fat man <laughs> <laughs> he is so fat. 
<laughs> the security guard's so fat that <laughs> his back is breaking because he's so <laughs> his back just fully breaks. And John Cena's like, just take my hand. And his hand is literally an inch away from the security guard. And the security guard's like, no, I can't do it. My back. He can't reach up. He's laying <laughs> on his back and he can't, he can't get up. He's so fat. He can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously the elevator breaks. And I expected this is the last time we will see the security guard. No, no. <laughs> For the next like two minutes, occasionally they'll just be ah, ah! <laughs> like different characters <laughs> just guns too. Let's be clear, the same also, security guard. But then when he dies, they don't show that. And I was like, maybe he survived. He did not. But <laughs> I was like, why did you show so much of him dying and then not show the explosion at the end? Where he was in it. Like, give him a last final moment. Give him his Oscar winning moment. Um, <laughs> We're not saying that he's fat just randomly. In the movie, in the audio clip that John Cena has to play, he's like, well, you know he's fat, so you can't save him. <laughs> like, it's in the film. You're not strong enough to lift him. He's, he's way so too fat, fat to get through the elevator escape hatch. It's a weirdly, <laughs> such a, and he does nothing. He's done nothing to this guy. And it's just this weird, like, clearly fat. Like, Vince McMahon was like, I hate fat people. <laughs> no, that's actually not it's correct. Like Vince Snow loves scene. big guys. Have you seen how many Samoans WWE has hired? That's not true, Carson. Quite literally? No, I have not. <laughs> it's not the truth, Ellen. <laughs> well, someone I love the concept of Vince McMahon writing these movies. Like, obviously he didn't, but that would be hilarious. I will say no, it's just this movie is at least a real movie, right? And I think it mainly comes down to Rennie Harlan, the director, who's directed A Nightmare on Elm Street, Deep Blue Sea, Cliffhanger, Die Hard 2. Maybe not great films, but they are films. And this movie has a real... I like the premise. It definitely gets boring when they're like, challenge five out of six. And I'm like, okay, we've been here an hour. Let's just, can we maybe skip to 12? But it's a real <laughs> film. It has a good, at least at the beginning, a real sense of urgency I like the film. I don't like love it. It's not great. A like, Nightmare on fine. Elm Street four. <laughs> well, <one of> the- <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to like. I Die had to go look two. it up. And I was the like, Die Harder. Which is so funny Die- because this is a ripoff of Die Hard three. I know. I like, saw a lot of people making the joke that he actually wanted to direct Die Hard three, and this was his chance. And who could blame him? I love right? Die Hard Die 3. Hard 3's great. It's just like, I always preferred the, I always prefer, I mean, I, I guess I never really put much thought into this before now, but I always preferred the Marine just because like, personally, I'm not a big fan except for Die Hard 3 of the action movie formula. It's like, riddle me this. If the bomb is in the basement of this building. It's better than the, un- this is better than Batman. This is better than the Riddler and Batman. So the match this week was, John Cena versus The Rock at WrestleMania 28. Um, And this is like objectively (laughs) one of John Cena's best WrestleMania matches. But this is the first match that I picked for this series that I don't particularly enjoy. Which is sad for me. But like, whatever. So like, I feel like this is like fine. And I remember like the buildup for this took like well over a year. Like, I we spent a year straight being like The Rock versus John Cena at WrestleMania. It's the biggest match ever. It's gonna be bigger than Rock and Hogan. It was not bigger than Rock and Hogan. Whatever, man. Um, and like the whole thing they were building up is like The Rock. He's this big guy. He's in Hollywood now. He's coming back home to wrestling. Wrestling's where he belongs. He used to be the face of the company, and then now John Cena's the face of the company. And John Cena would never leave us to go to Hollywood. Spoiler alert, John Cena did leave us to go to Hollywood in case you haven't been paying attention. And it was just like, I just don't like the story build up to this. I thought it was really stupid. I thought they were trying to make it a Rock and Hogan thing when it's not even on that level. I'm so sorry, John Cena, but you're not on the Rock or Hulk Hogan's level. Um, And then it's like a fine match. John Cena like dominates the rock for most of it, but the rock wins. And I just don't understand why, because it's like tradition in wrestling that 
the new guy wins over the old guy because you're supposed to be passing the torch. So it should have been The Rock passing the torch to John Cena. And then it doesn't happen. And it's just dumb. What did you think, Carson? Because I don't like this one. Yeah, I was not super into this. The story was definitely like, oh, like, look at these two. Like, there really was no conviction, right? It was just kind of like, these are two big names. They're fighting. It's just like icon versus icon, but like, not really. I will say it's absolutely hilarious that this whole thing is like, they keep mentioning it's once in a lifetime and it happened the year after again. That's hilarious. That's camp. But other than that... This was like, it wasn't, it was like, it really was like impossible, I feel like, to get into. Because also, these are not two people like characters, really. They're just kind of like people. And it's not that interesting just to watch these people like do fake moves to each other, right? Like, I need that Shawn Michaels. I need my sad old man. You know, I need something there to like emotionally you connect with. You need some drama. Yeah. And there's just nothing. It was really yeah. like boring. I feel like that's the problem with, like, John Cena as a wrestler because he can do some really brilliant matches with certain opponents. But then other times he's just, like, really mediocre. And I do really like John Cena as a wrestler, but I also, like, completely understand those criticisms of him. I just feel like he wasn't into this or he was, like, having too much fun with it. Like, there are a lot of times throughout the match where you see him, like, smiling and smirking because he's like, oh, my God, I'm wrestling The Rock. And I'm like, John Cena, fucking keep it together. You're supposed to, like, hate this guy and you've been hating him for, like, a year and you think he's, like, a dipshit who abandoned wrestling and, like you're the one that it's always going to stand by us. And just like, even looking back on it now, it is so fucking silly that they even did this. Like, it's embarrassing. It's like one of the worst booking things they've like ever done in like mania history. I'm sure people will disagree with me on that, but I stand by it. I don't like this match and the rematch is even worse. So hopefully next week, which is, or in two weeks, which is the last week, those are good matches and they're very fun. So this is we just needed one bad one to shit on it <laughs> i definitely needed to watch this for 30 minutes you're right <laughs> yeah well that's gonna be it for this episode of Clappercast. let's go into our recommendations for the week i will start us off as i mentioned this is our last episode before the oscars and one film nominated for oscars that i feel like a lot of people are overlooking i'm gonna pronounce this wrong probably Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom. A Yak in the Classroom. Let's just go with that. It is Best International Feature, and it was really good. It's really wholesome. It's not, like, anything incredible. It's this teacher who is going to be, like, doesn't want to be a teacher, wants to go to Australia to sing, but he's forced to, like, under contract, go to this really remote village to teach school for, like, a year. Um, It's the most remote school in the world, they say. And it's just about him going and he meets these wholesome people and he meets the kids and he's like, you know, it's cute. It's very simple. But like Coda, I do not find charming. I find this to be charming in the same way a lot of people view Coda. It is beautiful, number one, like just visually. But I thought the performances were really good. It's available to buy and rent, I think, pretty much everywhere, at least Apple TV, which is where I rented it. Um, I would just highly recommend it. I think this is like one of the better like films uh, nominated for an Oscar this year. Which is weird, but it's it's good. So I would recommend it if you want like a wholesome time. Alina, what's your recommendation this week? I have been watching Ewan McGregor's little traveling motorcycle show called Long Way Round. And it is like the most endearing and adorable thing ever. This one is from 2004. And him and his friend like Charlie go on a fucking motorcycle ride from London, England all the way around the world through like Europe and like all of Russia and Mongolia and Kazakhstan and they fly to Alaska and then they zoom through Canada and they go all the way to New York City and it's just them zooming around on motorcycles and struggling for 10 episodes and I had such a good time with it. I've also watched the other one that they did like in 2020 when they like long way up when they go from like Argentina to Los Angeles, also very cute. So I'm very excited to get to a long way down when they go to like Scotland to Cape Town. It's just really endearing. And I know like COVID restrictions are like lifting and you can kind of travel now, but I'm still kind of afraid to. And also I don't have money. So it was kind of nice to like vicariously live through Ian McGregor and his cute little motorcycle. It's on Apple TV. Lovely. Paul, what is your recommendation this week? Um, I know we may talk about this next week, but I really enjoyed uh, 
Life and Bath. Um, I watched the first two episodes and I think it's really fun. And I think like uh, giving things people a shot are uh, a second shot are great. Um, but if we don't want to talk about that, I've been watching a lot of Daniel Sloss, um, who's a comedian. Um, and he does a one specifically called Jigsaw which is fantastic. Um, I watched all three of his, but Jigsaw specifically, it's on Netflix, is so good. Um, And it's just really interesting to watch someone like talk about dark topics and like kind of like emotional topics and just kind of like make jokes about them. It's very fun. Watch that. I will say, though, if you're on the fence about your relationship, uh, strap in. If you're going to watch Jigsaw. <laughs> because As a single person, I was like, yes. I can't but even. Like, I, I watched Jigsaw at the end of my last relationship, and it was <laughs> enlightening, to say the least. Alina just watched the, the, the pivotal scene in Jigsaw, so she knows. Luckily, I'm still single right now. Down bad, <laughs> but single. <laughs> and Michael, what's your recommendation this week? Um, mine is going to be actually Taylor Tomlinson's new stand-up special, Look at You. Um, she's a really talented comedian, um, and she gets into some really interesting stuff with uh, mental health and just kind of like how the millennial generation in particular has had to like repress it and sort of like deal with older people in a way that's like kinder when you're really just feeling all these dark, bitter feelings. And I really related to it, and I, I liked it a lot. And honestly, if I could snap my fingers and replace Amy Schumer with Taylor Tomlinson to host the Oscars, I would do it right now. I mean, I think I would replace her with most people, but, you know, that's good to hear. Taylor Tomlinson okay. has a similar vibe, which is the only reason I said that. Valid. I don't know who that is, but I assume it's a good take. Let's <laughs> go ahead and give our... Uh, where can we find everyone on social media? Michael, you, you go ahead. Where can we find you on social media? Uh, you can find me at the King of Burbank on TikTok, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Paul? At Pricelike Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Alina? At Alina Falls on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews, Letterboxd, just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. Write us an email at clappercast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at clapperpodcast. Subscribe to our Patreon. We have exclusive reviews, a commentary track coming. You get exclusive monthly comment. You get exclusive monthly content. um, And we have a good old time over there. So check us out. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema.